0: I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. All right, next on the Cascade Hiker Podcast, what's your name and where are you from?
1: My name is Tim Mathis, and I am from Tacoma, Washington.
0: Right on. Well, hey, uh, man, actually, you know, I I always am hoping – uh, that uh, that somebody will, will will hear me and and I don't know I, I guess I always try to put it out there that man if 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 you have a, a cool story or you got something going on um man I, I always want people to reach out to me because that just makes it so much easier and well oh, that's exactly what you did
1: yeah totally um I uh, we I've been working on my own podcast for a couple years with my wife and we occasionally get people who reach out and I kind of feel the same way that. It's, you know, when somebody's doing something that's interesting and they reach out, it's awesome. It saves you a ton of work, right? So I uh, that's what I did.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit. I, I really do want to get into the podcast, uh, just to mention it real quick, uh, Boldly Went, right?
1: Yeah, the name of our podcast is Boldly Went, and it's basically... A series of short adventure stories from people from across the outdoor community. They're all 10 minutes or less and they're all are recorded live at live events that we do all over the West Coast.
0: Okay, good. Well, let's jump back to that, but uh, I, I really want to dive into this book. Uh, it's really uh, the main reason why I wanted to have you on. Um, can you describe what your book is and kind of what it's about?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. We, I just like two weeks ago before recording, I got this book out to the world. It's called The Dirtbag's Guide to Life: Eternal Truth for Hiker Trash, Ski Bums, and Vagabonds. Nice. And and um, what it is is, I'll give you the sort of tagline. The tagline is that it's it's a celebration of a subculture that is underappreciated, but that's taken root in climbing crags and hostels and trails all around the world. And it's also a how-to guide for adventure on the cheap. And so that's the the short gist of it. The bigger picture is that I'm trying to define outdoor culture and dirtbag culture in a way that I don't think has necessarily been done before. And then I'm trying to provide a lot of practical advice for people who want to center their life either entirely or just a little bit more on outdoor adventure. And I want to help people get to the point of being able to do that as much as they want to in their situation.
0: Right on. Well, I think uh, the title alone really says a lot. I, I do have a question like, so uh, I didn't get a chance to read the book and and I definitely will uh, go through it. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but I, I kind of want to know, um, the, the, in the title, you, you mentioned kind of the three hitters there, the, the hiker trash, the ski bums and the vagabonds. And, um, it's funny when you talk about those out of context, but, uh, but in the world that, uh, that, like, you know, I, I listen, I talk to a lot of people that consider, consider themselves a hiker trash or something like that. And I mean, and vagabonds as well. Uh, is there a difference between those?
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. I think that one of the things I really tried to do in this book is talk about how there's this sort of shared spirit between a lot of different groups of people who are kind of doing the same sorts of things and have the same sorts of values, but they're maybe pursuing a little bit of a different, um, you know, preferred activity. So, you know, the ski bombs are these people who are maybe they're like chasing winter every year they're working and you know maybe they're ski instructing in Tahoe during North American winter and then they fly to New Zealand and and work in the mountains down there over their winter there are these people who are sort of centering their lives around chasing powder and then you've got the hiker trash who are these people who are like every summer they're quitting their jobs to go hike some long trail somewhere Um, some of these people are are you know spending spending the better part of their year for years at a time hiking and then and vagabonds. So one of the things that I think I'm doing in this book is trying to tie that spirit to the type of people who you'll meet if you go to like Central America and you go to like a backpack backpackers hostel somewhere. And it's just you'll meet these these dudes and these women who've been kind of drifting around on buses for years at a time, seeing the world um just living off whatever money they can scrap together or whatever so i've tried to i've tried to i've done all of those things a little bit myself and so i've tried to point out that there's actually a really common spirit and it's it's sort of like this shared desire to devote your life to exploration and to um to the adventure. And so, yeah, so there there's differences in the sense that they have different interests and different ways they like to explore. But I like to think that there's a shared spirit there um, that brings us all together.
0: Yeah, I really like that answer. And uh, and I also like how you're able to tie yourself into that, too. Um, would you would you label yourself any of those or all of those?
1: You know, it's kind of funny, like I, um, I sort of took on that term dirtbag as a there's, you know, there's a little irony in it. I think everybody who's using it is doing it a little bit ironically. It's like, you know, it's kind of pejorative, right? Like it's kind of an insult. So, (laughs) so, uh, so I think the way, the way I would describe it is I think I got my start as a vagabond. Um, My wife and I had a kind of unusual story. We grew up in like a small town in Ohio. And then after we We went to college and then once we graduated, we started traveling quite a bit. We traveled in Australia and then we moved overseas to New Zealand for a couple years. Um, We've hiked the Camino to Santiago. We've spent about six months on the the backpacker circuit in in Latin America. So we've done a lot of traveling. And I think my initial entree, I would have thought of myself as a little bit of a vagabond or at least like, you know, uh, living a little bit of a semi nomadic existence. But then we got really into outdoor adventure really through trail running initially when we turned 30 and then got really into hiking. We hiked the Pacific Crest Trail in 2015. And I think that's really when I started making these connections. So that's a long way of saying that I feel like I've got a bit of the vagabond in me and I've definitely got a bit of the hiker trash because I think that that's where my real like full immersion in this world came was on, on the PCT, especially.
0: Nice. Well, I kind of wonder, um, and you might, you might talk about it in the book. I'm not sure yet. Um, do you, is there a point where somebody just kind of all of a sudden realizes that they're one of these, uh, you know, uh, descriptives?
1: (laughs) That's a good question. I think that for me, the first time was when I was, in this restaurant in sisters, Oregon on the PCT. And as I was like walking out, I noticed people sort of sneering at me and like, like covering their noses. Cause I smelled so bad. <laughs> like, that was the point when it was kind of undeniable, but ultimately I think it's when you make a decision to sacrifice the other other key things in your life in order to pursue, you know, one of these, one of these pursuits, either outdoor adventure, or maybe it's traveling the world or whatever it might be. I feel like that's, once it becomes a thing that you're, you've sacrificed for, then it becomes a part of your identity. I would say, I think, yeah, that's, that's how I would think about it.
0: Yeah, that's good. I've been kind of flipping through the book a little bit as you're talking and, uh, I, I just came across something uh, that's kind of funny. It kind of uh, almost fits into what you were saying there. Um, Don't let going broke stop you. Is that kind of a, <laughs> is that kind of a cheerleader's uh, statement, or is that is that something that, uh, like an
1: encouragement almost? Totally. I think it's funny that you you brought that up. And without a doubt, I think that. Um, so in the book, I like I said, some of it's like this sort of big picture, like you know. Hey, like dirtbags are important people in the world. Like you've got an important role to play. And then a lot of it's just practical. And so I think that that quote is from a, a the section on money. And the section on money, I think, is the longest chapter in the book. And it's really focused on like different strategies people can use to uh, to figure the money thing out when they're doing things like quitting their job for six months and traveling. Um, but the that idea that, you know, if you if you run out of money, it's not the same thing as failure. It's not the same thing as like you know you're totally screwed. It just means that you've got to get creative and start um, start doing some new things to figure it out. So yeah, so I think that it's a cheerleader thing, but it's also a pragmatic thing that I think like you have to. A lot of times the people. So I, I think backing up a little bit. A lot of times. <laughs> People who are, you know, in that dirtbag category, people who are really, like, sacrificing their career paths or, you know, their financial well-being in the moment or whatever are, are genuinely having to figure it out. And they frequently do. You, like, go bust sometimes. And that can feel like really bad, right? You can feel like you failed. Because <laughs> it kind of is like, you know, in a lot of ways it's sort of the, the mainstream definition of failure is like the person who has no money, right? But if you reframe that and you're like, no, screw that. Like it just means you spent all your money doing the stuff that you wanted to and now you gotta like regroup and figure out what to do now. I think it, it puts, it puts a, a much better spin on, on things.
0: Sixmoondesigns.com. Go over there and check it out. Give them a call. Give them an email. Check out their their stuff online. Uh, They've got a lot of other things in tents, but I like to really highlight the tents. Um, They've got some packs and stuff too. Um, Anyway, if you need a tent for one or two people, this seems to be like the best weight, the best place to go. Uh, They have the one cool thing I really like about the company is. That they haven't just streamlined it just for the ultralight backpacker. They've also got you know you know if you want a, a six moon design tent, then they have uh, the price for you. You can get uh, the the ultralight one or or the uh, uh, the non ultralight style. Same style, but it, it's a little bit more. Uh, it might be a little bit more weight, but the price is better. So you, know, you can kind of choose what you want there. You can get these tents just as like a mesh tent uh, to keep the bugs out, or you can. they have tarps as well. So, I mean, I'm I, I'm telling you, I haven't been this excited about a tent in a long time. Um, sixmoondesigns.com. Follow them on Instagram and tell them the Cascade Hiker podcast sent you. What about, uh, you know, you kind of, kind of, when you, you transition and obviously in the book, you're kind of making the same transition from money to career. Um, and I'm wondering just from the outside looking in, uh, at the contents here, uh, are you talking about career as in what can you do with your career that you might lose? Or are you talking about trying to find a career within that, uh, you know, that, that descriptive, I guess I'm, I'm kind of losing it. Yeah, on yeah. That
1: one. No, that's good. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Like you're asking if, if I'm, uh, I'm talking about sort of, how you, how you sort of navigate career or how you find a job working in the outdoors. And it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, the, the big overarching theme in the book is like, how do you organize your life in a way that will allow you to center the outdoors, right? Um, whether that's, you know, skiing or hiking or whatever, how do you organize your life in that way? And so career is obviously a big one, right? Like it's obviously, it's how you make money. It's how you, get what you need to survive. And it's a huge amount of your time. And so what I do in that chapter is talk about the different strategies people use to to do that. I think like the classic dirtbag career strategy is like to work these crappy jobs, like at a, you know, a grocery or restaurant or something. Not, Not that those are necessarily crappy, but you know, these jobs that they don't like they're not investing a lot of their energy into I guess is what I would how I would frame it and then quit those and go do their thing for as long as they can and then when they go bust they go back and do it again but i talk about how like that's not the only way to do it there's also like a lot of people out there who figure out how to get a high paying job and do that and so they can work for shorter periods of time and then quit and i would i would actually kind of put myself in that category you you asked about like if we think about ourselves as, or if I think about myself as a dirtbag or something like that, but um, I would kind of put myself in that category because I'm a, I'm a nurse. That's my, uh, my main money-making strategy in life. And with nursing, I'm able to take either short-term contracts or work part-time and just sort of pile up money at a, a job that pays, you know, it pays enough to survive on. And I because I've got that skill, I went to school for that, I'm able to work less than if I didn't have that. So, um, so that's one of the strategies. I call those uh, I call those people the dirtbag rich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh, I was really inspired. We um, we met a couple of uh, people a few years back who actually worked in finance and they'd gone to school for finance, but they'd only worked for like three years in that field, and. Then they were able to quit and travel for like three years. And I was like, holy crap, like that is, that's amazing. Like you, you trained to something, you got a bachelor's degree, you spent three years working and then you were able to take an equal amount of time off. So I kind of like viewed them as inspiration of like, yeah, there's like different ways. It doesn't all have to be suffering. You can figure out um, how to make it work. But then of course I talk about the, in the career chapter, I talk about stuff like, you know the types of jobs that people do in the outdoors that sort of collapses that, that, um, that, that career problem. So you're not like, you're enjoying what you do. You're, you know, there's guides and there, there really are people who make a living in the outdoors guides and Rangers and people do that. So, so that's one of the things I talk about.
0: Yeah, that's good. And, um, and then, you know, there's a lot of other uh, awesome things I'm sure we could touch on. Um, I, the one thing, and I, I've mentioned this uh, a lot lately in um, is man, it's, it's so fun to talk to authors and, and really, especially a book like this, it just seems so, um, it's different than a lot of the books I've, I've talked to the authors on. And, um, I, I really hate diving too much into the book because at some point it's like, okay, uh, you know,
1: the person doesn't really have to read it anymore. Right. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I feel like there's enough in there. I mean, I think that, um, there's enough sort of good material in there that people are going to enjoy it. And so it's a good, like, You know, I'm just I'm just stoked to be able to introduce it. And I think it'll um, for your crowd, I think it'll be interesting. Anybody who I think is interested in outdoor culture in any way, I think is going to have some little resonances in there and we'll have fun with it and everything. So,
0: well, it hits a lot of things we talk about, like uh, relationships and responsibilities. I mean, uh, you know, those are those are big, big things. And and, and and especially with the relationships, I mean, uh, you know, you really have to be on board. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, totally. And, um, the, the way the, the book is kind of framed is around like these five different things that initially I started, I picked these five categories because there are things that people express as being barriers. Right. And so, yeah, responsibilities, relationships is one of those things that always gets brought up. Like I want to go through hike, but you know, I've got a wife and kids or, you know, I've got my parents are sick or, you know, those sorts of things that, 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 are real challenges to get, like navigate, and they're real um, the real things that you're trying to balance, right? Like even if you prioritize outdoor adventure, you also have other things that you're you're balancing. One of the things I talk about with relationships in every chapter, I sort of identify something that I call the golden rule, and in in relationships, I try and really take a positive spin and focus on this golden rule that I define as cool begets cool. And the basic idea there is that the key thing, if you're, if you're wanting to, you know, do cool things in life, if you're really wanting to live your dreams and that sort of thing, the the best thing to do is surround yourself with people who are doing the same thing, because even you know, everybody's got stuff that they have to navigate. There's nobody who doesn't have relationships and responsibilities and career and money issues. And, you know, everybody's got stuff they have to navigate. But if you surround yourself with people who figured out how to do what you want to, then you're going to learn things from them that you will then be able to apply in your own situation. And so that's a lot of what I talk about in relationships, about how it is true that that stuff can be a challenge, but it's also true that relationships with other people really are the way that you get to cool places that's that's really I think like been my biggest experience in the outdoor community is that when I hang out with people who have done things that I want to do I get super inspired and it just naturally by osmosis brings you know brings up new ideas or new opportunities or whatever and then before you know it you are doing the things that that you want to you want to do That you've seen them do already.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm looking, I was looking at that. I I went to it when you were talking, and and you're talking about Debbie Downers and not to be around them. And, um, you know, cool begets cool. Um, Is there a fine line, though, um, when you're talking about that? Uh, uh, Basically, I don't know. I guess uh, I want to say, like, uh, is there a confirmation bias? You know, if if all you are is around these people and say, yes, do it, do it, do it. Can there be any issues with that? Any problems foreseeable?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I think that's a good question, right? Like, I think that um, it's a a question almost like if, if, like the people you surround yourself with can, can drive you to make decisions that maybe aren't the most healthy for yourself, or, you know, maybe weren't the best decisions or whatever. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, you know, that's a, it's a big question. You want to surround yourself with people who are, uh, you know, concern for your best interests and vice versa I think that the way I would the way I would frame it is and I, and I tried to do this in the book too the way I would frame it is that like this isn't I think centering your life on exploration centering your life on on really anything is it's no different than any other path you can choose in life right like so if I'm for instance like I'm a nurse I could spend a whole lot of my life focusing on my career and I could surround myself with other people who are doing the same thing. And I, you know, I can live a meaningful life that way. And, and, um, I'll make different decisions than I would make if I surrounded myself with people who are accountants or I'll make different decisions than I would make if I surrounded myself with through hikers. Right. So that's, that's kind of the point I think that I'm, I'm trying to make with cool but gets cool is it's not, um, it's, it's not about like, Downplaying the other relationships in your life. and i talk I've got some I've got some anecdotes in there about um, some, for instance, like married couples who, like one of the partners is like you know a hardcore adventure, and the other person just really isn't that into it. And I talk about how they make it work without you know damaging that relationship. or I talk about family like parents with kids, and um, you know those those relationships that you really should invest time and energy into. And you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't just, I, I don't feel like you should just, you know, let those things go and feel like it's, you know, you're excused because your you're calling is to the mountains or whatever, right? Like, yeah. like you, still, you still have to figure that stuff out. But but yeah, I think the point in there is that I think you can figure it out. And I think you can, uh, you can be a good person and also be a dirtbag. I think that's like <laughs> one of the big, <laughs> that's one of the big points in the book is it's not about being like, it's not about That's actually one of the things I get into a lot in the responsibility section is like the idea isn't that you are neglecting your responsibilities. It's that you're choosing a specific path in life and figuring out how to be responsible on that path.
0: I really like where that answer went. Um, After I asked it, I realized, well, cool begets cool uh, is really an answer to after you've already made the decision, you've already understood the path that you want to go to. So I, I guess uh, I guess the question was kind of wrong, but you, you really took it off right, man. I like that. Um, I, I almost interrupted you, but then you were going. You're going on a, on a good roll there. It was it was a good way to answer uh, answer a bad question. I guess is what I meant. But all right, we're talking about WaymarkGearCode.com. Want to direct you over there? Uh, kind of talk a little bit about um, they do have their through thirty eight and 42-liter packs, and their 50-liter packs. Um, they, the through packs start at 210 The 50-liter packs start at $260, so go check those out. But I also want to talk about their accessories, add-ons. Uh, the ones my daughters both have and love are the, uh, the mesh water bottle holders there, or phone pocket, and there's more than that, too. I mean, the zippered shoulder pouch, hip belt pockets, uh, messenger bags, Um, I know one of his big hits at PCT Days, I saw Mark there, was his fanny packs. He actually sold two fanny packs. His wife and him were both wearing a fanny pack, and they sold them off their own bodies. So those were a big item there. Um, So, you know, look for those in the future. They got stickers and uh, gift cards and stuff. So this is all just extra stuff on top of their packs. And um, Anyway, go over there and follow them on Instagram, waymarkgearco.com. Let's let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, because you mentioned that you have hiked the Pacific Crest Trail and um, some other trails that you mentioned and stuff, but what got you into, not not dirt bagging or or anything like that, but just the outdoors in general?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I think that it's always been a thing that I've done. I grew up in the country in Ohio, and it was a farming community. You know, we lived, I didn't live on a farm, but I lived Right in the middle of farms, and a lot of my friends were farmers, and and I just I just think as a kid, you know, when my my parents would, you know, in the summer, like you're just you need to go play outside, you know, like whenever um, my parents would get sick of us or whatever, it's go play outside, and like we I just spent a lot of time outside as a kid, and it, it wasn't in the sort of classic West Coast hiking and. Climbing mountains and skiing, kind of way, but it was like very much like as a Midwesterner, I'm like playing in creeks and catching snakes, and um, you know, just just generally playing outside. And and ever since then, really, I mean, it's always been a part of my life. I think that when I was just for my my basic story is grew up in Ohio, went to college in Kentucky, and then moved to New Zealand, and then came to the Pacific Northwest after two years in New Zealand. And when you're like in New Zealand, it's it's just sort of, you know, outdoor paradise, right? There's everything there. There's mountains, there's lakes, there's rivers, there's the ocean, there's everything spectacular. And so when you're there, you just naturally get immersed in it. And so living there and then moving to the the Pacific Northwest, I just it just kind of happened by osmosis. But I think, you know, when I was so we would I grew up, like I said, playing outside, did some hiking in my 20s and then really got into trail running. In my 30s when I just kind of, my wife and I decided to get ourselves in shape running and then just naturally ended up trail running and that all sort of, that world itself is like kind of a, kind of a black hole that'll suck you in and there's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> progress up to ultras and everything. And then after that we just, you know, a lot of it comes back to that cool we get's cool thing I talk about in the book is like we just met all these people doing awesome things and it got us inspired. And, you know, we met all all the through hikers that we knew before the PCT, we met through the trail running community. And so I think before we started the PCT, we really thought of ourselves more as runners. But since the PCT in 2015, we've done I think more hiking than in terms of long distance stuff, anyway, more hiking than trail running. And, uh, so yeah, so really like, I think m- my heart now is probably more as a-, a hiker through hiker than a trail runner.
0: Uh, that's good. Uh, what about, uh, your, um, your podcast? Let's, let's go back to that. Cause I really, I really want people to know what that's about. Uh, you mentioned that it's, it's, you said there, the interviews are about 10 minutes long. It seems like your podcasts are longer than that. Um, how do you how do you go about making each podcast?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I'd love to talk about that too. And and to be completely honest, my wife is really the spearhead of that um, that podcast. She's after we hiked the PCT, we spent some trying, time trying to figure out a way that we could kind of build a passion project. Um, figure out a way to like make money, participate more in the outdoor community, get to know people. And so our idea was basically we we decided that we we're going to organize events where people could tell their outdoor adventure stories live and keep it totally open. So like anybody who wants to can throw their name in the hat and they're chosen at random. And they have to be 10 minutes or less. And from those events, we record all the stories, and then we chop them up and put them into the podcast. And so the podcast is really organized typically around themes, right? So we'll have – so, for instance, like this weekend we're leaving for our next tour and we're going to do events in, like, Truckee, California, Mammoth Lakes, Bend, Portland. Uh, We're going to be in Tacoma and Seattle, uh, probably some more that I'm forgetting in there too. And then we'll record those and then across the next, like – three months or or four months, we'll chop all those stories up and put them into episodes that are centered around different themes. And so it's really like a lot of times it's, uh, we put stories together that are kind of resonate with each other or on similar themes or about similar sports. But it's really a cool experience because when you, I think one of the things that is true in the outdoor community is that when you go to presentations about the outdoors a lot of times they're they're experts right it's it's a lot of times it's experts talking about some big adventure they did or some race they won or you know some major achievement that they just accomplished but our events really end up being about like just the meaningful things people experience in the outdoors because when you leave it open and you just ask people to tell like any story they want to about outdoor adventure they talk about the things that are memorable and meaningful for them and so we've had um we've had people, we, we have those experts all the time, right? Like we've had like Guinness world record holders, we've had Olympians, we've had um, like Anish, uh, who's got the PCT fastest known time, was at one of our events. Like We've had these really cool people, but they tend to, they end up telling stories that are about like the time they got in a fight with a duck or something, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So right? When you let people talk about whatever they want to, they talk about, they don't necessarily talk about these big achievements. But then you get the people on the flip side of it that are just like the total average Joe who like actually has this really awesome story about, you know, their experience on this hike or um, this really humiliating story about the first time they went skiing or something like that. And you just get this whole really cool picture of what the outdoor community actually is. And so we try and do that in our podcast. I think that's a a long way of answering the question of like when we're we're trying to organize our podcast, we're really trying to picture – what the outdoor community is as a whole um, and all of its sort of diversity and beauty and, and uh, you know, general coolness.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's a good way to answer it. Uh, and, and you should be uh, you should answer it long because um, you know, with some, I don't know about you, I, you guys have been doing the podcast for how long?
1: Um, just, just over two years now, actually. I think that the first one was released right around this time, two years ago, Our first event was in January, 2017. Yeah. So, uh,
0: you're probably seeing, noticing some of the same things I am with the, uh, the growth of podcasts and, and man, there's, there's a lot of, of outdoor podcasts now in the, in the adventure or hiking uh, arena. And it's, so to describe your show, you should take as much of that as you can, because, um, you know, people people need to know what it's about. Otherwise, they're just gonna listen to one episode and kind of be like, "Well, that was kind of interesting." And and but but what what is it really about? You know. So that, I'm glad you answered it that way.
1: Yeah, totally. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And can you can you go into a little bit more? Then so, um, did you guys were you guys holding these events before you started recording them as
1: well? No. So yeah. So for a little bit of the history, um, the way the sort of genesis of these events was that my wife i think in 2000 actually this was just before the PCT in 2015 she organized an event in North Bend Washington called Grit and Grace which was a basically it was a panel discussion with four women who were all over 60 who had all been just like doing pioneering stuff in the outdoor world for years so women who had been, you know, running marathons since before women were allowed to run marathons in the Olympics, or women who had, like, like quit their jobs to go on adventures in, like, the 1960s, um, uh, you know, people, who, these, these people were just really amazing, and that event was super well-received, and we sort of, like, that was right before the PCT, and then on the PCT, we sort of put life on hold as you do like the PCT is just kind of a big pilgrimage that you you come you you start you know you start on one side and you come out the other side a totally different person but but that kind of percolated in there and we um we thought about what sort of what kind of stuff we could do in the outdoor community after and so the the Boldly Went events were really a, a riffing a little bit on that grit and grace theme of trying to highlight these people doing amazing things that maybe you're not usually in the spotlight. And so it was it was really pretty, I mean we we kind of just made this thing up and said we're going to do it. And so the first um the first event that we launched, we actually had we had it all fleshed out that we were going to record it. And we're gonna make a podcast out of it. And it's funny, like I didn't even really listen to podcasts that much at that point. Like Angel, my wife, did. She was like into podcasts and stuff. But none of us had a, neither of us had a ton of event organizing experience. So we just kind of were like, let's do this thing, and it'll be fun. And worst case scenario, like we're gonna get a bunch of our friends together, and they're gonna tell good stories, and like everybody'll like it. And that's kind of how it's panned out. It's been really well received, and every Um, every town that we've had them in, the events are just always like, we've never had an event that didn't feel great. Right. We've never had an event that didn't feel like there's just a lot of community development. There's a lot of bonding. People are hearing stories from parts of the outdoor community that they never would have uh, come into contact with. Otherwise, I mean, we've had like these crazy open water swimmer stories. We've got all these like cool sailing stories. We've got all these like our normal, trail running and through hiking crowd we've got all those stories skiing you know we just like we've had like donkey racing stories it's it's, (laughs) yeah
0: of course you have
1: (laughs) yeah i know totally yeah it's funny like you just throw you just throw it out there and you say come tell your best story and you get you get some amazing stuff so um so yeah so no it's funny like we totally came to this two years ago just as a sort of like throwing stuff at the wall kind of thing and see what see what sticks but it's it's yeah like i said it's been really well received and the um the podcast has done pretty well and we're you know listenership is has grown steadily and the events themselves like our seattle events like you know we have one in march and it's in mid-march and it's already sold out like or we've got an event coming up in Tacoma in, a, in like a month and it's selling really well. So the events are building a community they are building like some buzz they um They're always really fantastic experiences and they're always tons of fun. And just like it, it always super inspiring because you just hear people talking about these experiences outside that they've had that are, um, have been meaningful or life changing in some way or another. And that, that just is a good recipe for, for a, a good experience for people.
0: Yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I, Personally, I've now had two live shows, and it, it's a lot of fun just to connect with people that, uh, for me, I have, mine's different, you know, because mine is an actual live recording with just the one-on-one person, so you're advertising just for that one person to be there and that kind of thing, and so uh, it, it's, it's it, yours sounds really cool with all the, the random people getting up, and you just never know what you're going to hear, um, but but it is it is kind of neat to just be like, wow, these people actually want to hear uh, this live recording in the moment it's, it's really interesting yeah it's uh, it's it's fun and uh, I, I really it's opened my uh, kind of ears or eyes to to seeing other things as well so i'll have to come check out a uh, a recording of your guys it sounds like a lot of fun
1: totally man you're up you're up like northern washington right
0: yeah but uh, arlington washington
1: yeah we'll uh, we'll let you know we um We've been in Bellingham before and I think we'll try and get back. So we'll let you know if we're headed up that direction, but you totally should. Um, yeah, no, it's it's totally true. And like one of the things you mentioned like is that you just kind of throw it up there. And one of the big fears we had from the beginning was like, is this going to turn into like a gong show and mic thing where people just get <laughs> up and ramble? But And, you know, and like people always ask that the first like the first time they hear about it. They're like, you ever get like people who just go up there and it's just like terrible. And I swear that and, you know, we've done more than 50 shows now. And in those 50 shows, I could probably count on one hand the number of times I've, I've like, cringed. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, it's just always good. And it's never, you know, we've never had a night that didn't feel awesome. And there's something about being in the room with people with a, a sort of shared uh, love for the outdoors, a shared sort of sense of community. And just, like, listening to the stories about their experiences that have impacted their life. Right. Like that's just, there's just something really that feels great about that. So it's always worked.
0: Uh, That's cool. Well, I encourage people to go listen to that. And then uh, just to kind of jump back to the book with a final question. um, I was just, I was reading uh, kind of the, the, towards the end of the book and you talk about uh, your own, uh, you know, your final piece of advice. Uh, There's no right or wrong place to start. The only wrong way to live a life and adventure is not to. I really like that, man. It's it's really cool. And uh, can you kind of talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, totally. I think that like that's the whole the whole spirit of the book is like, you know, the the general idea of adventure. I think the general idea of like this this dirtbag life that I'm describing is that it really is about deciding to live your life in a way that feels meaningful and is like following the things that you feel like you should do in life. Um, The, the gist of it isn't to be like, you know, if you are a, you know, if if you're not willing to quit your job and go move to Yosemite and live in a tent and climb every day, then you're, you know, you're not a true outdoors person. Like that's not the gist of it at all. The, the idea is actually that um, the thing is inspirational about the, people who do that kind of thing is that they commit to figuring it out, whatever their situation is, commit to figuring out like how to do the things that they're passionate about. Um, And that's, that's really kind of the, I think where that's getting in the end is like my really like the main message I want to get across is like to believe that you can figure life out, right? Like whatever your situation is, you can figure life out And that's, you know, that's coming from my own experience, like both my wife and I grew up very much in a, you know, situation, very like, legit working class in Ohio, you know, my wife was raised part of her life in trailers and apartments. And, you know, we're from I don't know if you've heard of the book Hillbilly Elegy, but We were raised in the same town that "Hillbilly Elegy" was set. It's like poor working class (laughs) Ohio, and so we've we figured it out. And we've like along the way, we've just met people doing like you know people across the board, like people who are paraplegic you know, people who like, we have a friend from Bolivia, where it's Bolivia is like the poorest country in Latin America, but he's figured out how to like travel the world and do all this cool stuff. And like, the whole point of it is just basically like in your own situation, believe that you can figure out how to do cool things and, and, and figure it out. And, and you can. And so I think that's the whole, that's the whole message of the book in, in microcosm. So so yeah, so that's what I try and get to at the end is like, you know, if I have a piece of advice, there's all this, this sort of like technical details, but really it's just like, believe you can do cool things and, and, and give it a shot and you'll figure it out.
0: Yeah. And I, and I really like a lot of the examples you give there. And, and just to kind of put some, something on this, um, anybody could relate to this book and really a lot of the things you talk about. I'm sitting here reading just past that. You kind of give all these little examples of things you could do just to, just to try to. To just show yourself you could do something, and, and one of them is walk across your city. And I think about that now. Uh, you know, I've, I've interviewed Snorkel, um, and, and she's kind of made a name for herself for, for through hiking cities and, and doing that kind of thing. And um, I remember, gosh, it was about, and I never even mentioned this to her, but I, I was probably like 20, 20 years ago. I was visiting visiting my sister in 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 L.A. I think I went on like a 15 mile hike to go see her. <laughs> and, and yeah. uh, she's like, she's like, she, I, cause she was staying in her house and she left with a car and I didn't have a car. And I thought, well, well, heck, I know where she is. She's across town. I'll just go hike over there and go talk to her and meet up with her for lunch. And, uh, she was just like, well, wh- why would you do that? And I said, well, I don't, it's just like hiking and all the people that was with her. They thought I was the weirdest person for doing that, <laughs> but you know, right. I was like, it just felt natural to me. Right.
1: Right. And that's cool, right? Like, that's such a cool experience. of like having walked across this, this giant metro area that you just wouldn't experience the same way. Yeah. And snorkel is actually like, it's funny you mentioned her, like she's been a big, uh, inspiration, but also supporter. We, uh, we met her in Bend when she was doing like this through hike of all the the breweries in Bend, which was (laughs) tons of fun. Um, but she, uh, yeah, she's somebody who's given me advice on the book and like, has been, uh, been behind it and everything as well and she is definitely like i think i think you said like it's it's inspirational right because that through hiking your city is a very different sort of sense of what what you can do that's cool right like anybody can can walk around their their area right whatever that means like you can hit the road or head through the field or whatever and it's still like it can it can turn into a really like cool interesting experience
0: oh i can man i i I, every once in a while, I just kind of have flashes of memories just from that one little hike. And, you know, it wasn't my town, but, uh, you know, you just you see little things and, and you're in an environment that you're not used to or, or maybe you just don't see every day. And you see these little glimpses of things up close uh, for the first time. And, and it's just like being out in the woods. You're never going to forget that.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think honestly, I think that that's like the the reason that I like believe so much in travel on foot, you know, if that's hiking or trail running or whatever. It's just you just experience a place in a just a a natural human way in a way that you don't get any other way. Right. And whether that's in the city, uh, whether that's like you said, it's it's an amazing way to explore a new place, but it's also an amazing way to explore your own hometown.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, hey, man, Tim, how can people find you? How can they find the book? Can you, uh, can you, can you point people in the right direction?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, so, the easiest way is to go to our website on boldlywentadventures.com. Uh, that's boldlywen is like a reference to the Star Trek thing, boldly go. So, B O L D Y. Boldly went. Um, and you can also follow me on Instagram at DirtbagGuide.com. It's just at Dirtbag Guide. There's no S in there, so it's just at Dirtbag Guide.
0: Right on. Well, hey, man, thanks so much for coming on the Cascade Hiker Podcast.
1: Yeah, totally. It's been awesome, man. I'm stoked to be here. Thanks so much. All right, that's the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to
0: join the Patreon page. Find me at patreon.com slash Cascade Hiker Podcast. Also, hit me up uh, with an email, rudy at Find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Cascade Hiker Podcast. Twitter, find me at N underscore Cascade Hiking. And I'm Cascade Hiker Podcast on Instagram. Thanks, Whiskey Fever, for letting me use this track here, Tall Grass, off their album, Gonna Wake Up This Whole Town. Go find them at ReverbNation.com slash Whiskey Fever. Hey, see you next week. You were sweet like honey on a heartbeat. You were fine like wine and sunshine. I could feel you coming on strong. Could never be wrong. Could never be wrong. I see her laying down in the tall grass. Playing mandolin in a white dress. I come running when I hear that song. It could never be wrong. It could
1: never be wrong. Where you wanna run, maybe I'll run too. I would leave this world for a beautiful girl if I could
0: just find you.